Okay, you all good? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Welcome back to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. My name is Daniel Hopewell here with Simon Delaney and this is episode 53, Level Up Your Lead Nurturing. And if you listen to our first podcast of the year, which is a month or so ago, You'll know one of the predictions we had for 2022 is that lead nurturing will become more important than ever this year. And, and following on from that, we're going to actually try and get you some actionable tips and some practical advice. And then um, we've got an expert guest joining us today in the form of Oren Greenberg, the founder of Curve. Welcome to the show, Oren. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. We're very happy to have you. We've tried to organise it a few times um, in the past and we've not been able to make it just work. So we're really pleased to have you on. Um, to get us kicked off on, could you just explain to a little bit about your background, what you do and what Curve do? Sure, sure. So Curve is a collective of experts. So we kind of work on an egalitarian basis, so radically transparent, highly collaborative. It's quite an unusual agency structure, a hybrid of digital marketing strategists and channel experts. We cross collaborate. We have our own clients and shared clients. So that's Curve as a whole. For me, I'm a growth advisor. So I work kind of non-exec level advising and then also mentoring and then on occasion I do some on-demand CMO work as well a bit more tactical with different clients I'm quite busy supporting the, the Curve Collective and all the partners and all the clients that we have in the business building systems and processes and automation yeah I've been in um, growth marketing for a long time now 20 odd years I've worked mostly with scale-ups and businesses B2B and B2C so I'm quite diverse across probably about 12 different industries so not all the industries, but a, a fair chunk of the more common ones from e-com to fintech, et cetera. Perfect. Well, that's a good, um, a good, I feel like we're any sort of going to be delving into a niche area of your background, but we'll, yeah, we'll do okay. that. Very niche. Obviously, you know, we, it's a B2C lead gen uh, podcast primarily. So we're going to focus on that side of it sure. um, and specifically the lead nurturing. And to do that, I'm going to, I'm going to start by, we'll get into the good side of lead nurturing in a bit, but let's start with the bad. Um, can we ask you what you think some of the mistakes are that you see companies make when it comes to nurturing leads? Sure. I mean, first of all, I wasn't sure there was a good side. So that's already <laughs> that's a revelation. I'm already learning. Um, yeah, I think on the, the mistakes that companies make, I think there's quite a few. I think segmentation is a core aspect of it, like not actually going through the effort of segmenting them, sending like very broad emails or irrelevant emails for people in different um, parts of their journey. So there's a component of personalization and personalization segmentation are kind of two parts of the same coin is the way that I see it. And um, not really using the data that they have, that's um, zero party data, first party data. So zero party data, your own data when someone fills in the form, first party data where you're putting out Google Analytics or some of these other tools that you're using. And they're kind of missing an opportunity there to really personalize that and customize that. And I think that's quite common. I think far too many emails in far too short a time frame, which um, just feels non-personal, a bit too generic, and maybe a bit too sales-oriented. And really, once again, not taking into account where a person is in their nurture journey. You know, if we simplify the funnel, awareness, consideration, decision, you don't want to send decision-based sales emails to someone who's in the awareness stage. So this doesn't resonate well with them. So that's another common mistake. Um, I think, I think a lot of this come about as a symptom of um, the power of automation from a lot of different email marketing tools over, over time. And I think people are just not well upskilled on it or not really 
they're not really receiving it. Another recipient of the email sequences that they're setting up. I think they're also under a lot of performance pressure to try and drive a result. And one of the instincts is, okay, let's send more emails. But actually what you do is you increase the churn. So maybe you'll have a short-term impact, but then long-term you're churning through your email list that's gonna impact deliverability, which is not positive. People aren't opening your emails, that's not good. Or people are unsubscribing on alarming rates because you're bombarding them. And so those are some of the kind of the big picture, most common issues that I come across in the lead nurturing. Yeah, I think one of the things you mentioned as well with the like awareness consideration decision, what can also happen is they'll, um, let's say people are buying, like purchasing intent leads anyway, or driving them in some way. And the ones that don't convert, they might drop out of like a, the decision stage and actually they've moved back to awareness or consideration. They don't actually allocate that. They'll, so even if you see people like, you know, segmenting them on awareness consideration decision, they literally do it on how the lead came in, not necessarily where that person is now that might have moved backwards and forwards within it. Yep. I think that's definitely part of like, you know, what is the origin? I think that's also part of the complexity because if you do have multiple channels, and multiple sources. And the problem is also, we we create linear journeys, but people are not linear in the way that they actually move around. That's like very convoluted and very complex and very chaotic. And I think that, you know, the, the, the concept of the funnel, the concept of the journey is to try and, and bring sanity to that process. But the problem is it's not really reflective of how people are doing. So I think we are moving away from fixed channel stages to hyper-personalized AI data-driven models to try and really understand what a person is doing and how they're doing it and how do we um, deliver more value to them. And actually coming back to this question you asked about uh, the most common mistakes, I'd actually say the biggest mistake is not delivering enough value in the nurturing sequence because it's great sending all these emails, but if it doesn't enrich that person's life in a meaningful way, then that's fundamentally the biggest issue. And, I, and I'm not saying that's easy. Um, sending emails is easy. Delivering value is difficult. But I, I'm generally like more on the side of higher quality emails of lower frequency. But it really depends on like who's the audience and the value order and what's the business proposition. And, you know, there's a stage of maturity. There's a few variables there. Mm. And you, know, you talked about personalization segment in the data set, and obviously we can. Well, in the lead side, we can do that one in terms of the place they're coming from. We can do it in the sense of seeing the ads they're coming from, that kind of thing. Um, but one thing we talk about, and we talked about it uh, on a podcast recently, was uh, progressive profiling. So asking people questions, we can actually segment it based on that. My question to you is, and people listening, how do you get people to actually answer these questions? Because it's quite difficult to get people to actually want to answer a lot of the time. But um, yeah. do you think we need good incentives to sort of encourage that? Yes, I think there's a difference between getting data and getting the right data. And the right data is not about the number of questions, it's about the right questions that are meaningful. And now progressive profiling, what people are trying to do is, well, I need more data because the more data I feed into my AI engine and I get more personalized recommendation, and it's actually kind of overcomplicating things, especially if you are manually creating these different sequences. What you really need to understand is what is the most important information I need. So that already makes it easier because you ask less questions and more likely to get an answer. And I think the second one goes back to what I was saying about value is that you have to deliver something to them to get them to fill in that form. And typically, you know, this, the concept of progressive profiling came about, originated from 
downloading a lead magnet, right, like a white paper or an ebook on offer that educates someone. And every time they go and they download another piece of content in that educational journey, they're giving you an exchange for that insight or knowledge because it costs a lot of money to produce this content. They're giving you their data and then you're, you're, you're creating a more clear view of them to be able to personalize that journey for them further down the line. I think the problem is that's been abused. And a lot of people, they just get too many emails or too many sales requests when they're too early in their educational journey. And therefore, what you tend to see is, you know, I, mean, I see that quite a lot, like a lot of spam, a lot of nonsense stuff in there. People are just filling in crap to try and get that content. Um, and I think that's happened because of abuse. Um, and it's just about how you do it and the quality of the content. I, you know, a lot of the times the eBooks or white papers of the offers, they're just very low quality. Like they're just literally offering something to get that information. But what they want to forget is when you get that PDF and it doesn't add value to you, you're not going to go download another PDF. So you're not going to go through that progressive profiling effort and give more of your data because the offer that's being offered like, is, is not, it doesn't enrich your life. So why bother? So I think there's a, so a few issues. Just to sum it up, you're going to have less questions about the right questions. You're going to make sure you're delivering meaningful value, but you've got to think of how you're adding value on each step of that process for your prospect, not just that one-off ebook or white paper and hoping that it just kind of cuts it. So once again, more on the quality side of progressive profiling, very much aligned to my previous point around higher quality of the emails that you're sending through and this whole part and parcel of it, that whole thing, which is a customer experience. Do you, um, <clears throat> in terms of, I guess it's a, a, a way of collecting first party data on progressive profiling, how do you feel about taking the nurturing into other channels? So I don't know via SMS, but say you don't have the SMS number, but you want to collect it via an email or their postal address or something else, and then carrying on like the nurturing funnel um, in different places. Do you think that has a value or do you stick to one place or? Yeah, it really depends on the type of offering and the customer type. But for example, let's say you're a booking service and you've booked an appointment. It makes sense that you send me an email reminder, but it makes more sense you send me a text message because I'm about to show up for this appointment with this person, like a hairdresser or a massage or whatever it is. And the immediacy of a text message, because everyone's always on their phone, you're going to get a text message because it beeps or it commands your attention in a way that email doesn't, right? And also, if you look at how many text messages we're getting nowadays compared to how many emails we're getting nowadays, kind of cuts through the noise. But if you're sending me text messages to read an email that you sent through and the email is informational, that doesn't really make much sense, does it? So I think the key here is not thinking about cross-channel. It's thinking about what is that audience's experience, how relevant is that channel for them? I've definitely seen it abused where you're like bombarding people and like a notification and an email and a text. And it's like, what is this? And, mm. um, you know, so I think the problem is really when you have multiple systems that are not well coordinated in one centralized place and it's firing from different places, or you have different departments who own different touch points in that customer or um, journey, and they're not liaising with other departments. So they're sending it from one department, they're sending it from another department. The customer's getting 19 emails from four different departments. I've seen that as well. This happens typically in larger enterprises, and that's a complete like mess as well. So I think there's like a few considerations, but really there has to be one homogenous journey that's well thought out. And then the channel orchestration needs to be pertinent to that service offering that customer and their experience. And that's how I think it needs to be orchestrated. Mm. One, um, one mistake, I think I'd say the most familiar, uh, most familiar mistake we see, we see it over and over again. And we talk about it quite a lot. Um, 
is companies, when it comes to nurturing, they fall into the trap almost almost accidentally of just talking about themselves, talking about their product and service and saying how great they are. And it's almost like, I don't know, we, we say, show how you're adding value to the customer, like you were saying, like, I think actually how you benefit them. But it's almost like if that doesn't work, they just revert back to that initial thing of talking about themselves. And it happens all the time. Why do you think people fall into that trap? Yeah. I think there's two main reasons. I think the, the easy answer is it's easy. So people do it because it's uh, where, you know, we view the world from our eyes and everything we see is from our perspective. And like biologically, we're kind of anchored in that way. But I think it's just so easy to resolve. But I think there's a deeper reason. And that's because there's a lack of process. And the lack of process is a symptom of a lack of knowledge and experience. So really, it's like a lack of experience and knowledge creates it. But the lack of processes is not, there's not enough real in-depth research that's done of the customer. There's no ongoing qualitative and quantitative insight that's being drawn that's customer-centric, extraction of their needs, extraction of their pains, tailoring that to different messages, testing that out. There isn't really like rigor to the methodology and there's a lack of data of information to, to create a, a more impactful experience for the customer. And because of this lack of process or symptom, people just resort to the speaking about us. So really it's like, typically the way I see it is the people who are sending these emails, they're, if you look at their job, it's like a junior marketing exec. So someone hires someone to just send the communication to the customers. And you're like, why? Well, because we want to be top of mind. And, it, I, and, I, and that, that's logical. It's sensical to be top of mind. It's important to remind customers we exist. But it's only one of the key pillars of, of building a meaningful relationship. It's just one aspect. And it's the most superficial aspect. You really want to kind of capture those other aspects. And it's all about the value. And when I use the word value, it's the sum of all of those different aspects. And what you really want to be, you want to be customer centric first on delivering value through understanding your customer. And then the sequences of the email and the content follows through from that. That's not what people do. They just kind of go for the most superficial aspect. They delegate it to a junior who doesn't really go deep. And then they just set up automated sequences because that's what all these tools are, are selling, you know, all the everything from HubSpot to Acton, you know, Electra. It doesn't matter which email marketing automation tool. And this is like huge growing category of automation. They're just like, use our tool, automation is the future. And actually, yeah, I mean, automation saves you time and that's really critical and important. But without smart segmentation, personalization, and understanding the customer through research, you're not going to have a meaningful, sustainable, long-term value. You're definitely not going to have a competitive advantage against your competitors who are putting in the effort. Now, if if your competitors aren't doing that, so you're same same and you're not differentiated, and I guess it's just a question of like, what's your what's your strategy? Are you differentiated in somewhere else more meaningfully? Um, because if that's like a, a non, if nurturing your leads, not it's kind of mad to say, but if that's not where your growth is coming from then don't put the effort and energy there. And that's possible. You know, I've seen businesses where digital is a small part of their business, large part of their business is offline, and the digital lead nurturing is not so significant. So fine, don't put the energy there, put that energy in the, the offline components of your business. If you are an e-commerce business or so digital business, lead nurturing is fundamental, like a key essential part of you driving revenue and, and growing your pipeline. So how, how can you afford not to be smarter around it? And I, you know, when I say smarter, it's not, increase your IQ. I mean, educate yourself, right? Listen, listening to this podcast, you're educating yourself. 
and this is a specialized area. So if you feel like, oh, this is just another thing I need to get done on my to-do list, just recognize it's going to take time to crack it, like many other areas of this, the complexity of the marketing engine, right? It's a specialized area. Lead nurturing is the knowledge and experience to know how to do that well. You have to research it, you have to apply yourself. That's hard to do when you're doing 16 other things as a marketing manager, a VP of growth, CMO, et cetera. So really, uh, I think uh, an aspect of why people aren't doing it or why they resort to it, like, you know, attention spans are very thin nowadays. Everyone's a bit overworked, a bit stressed out, a bit tired. It goes back to being easy. It's easy. It's really interesting, a couple of points you made. So one is on the um, technology. So the, one of the problems I always think is they always have the templates for the perfect lead nurturing journey. And what everyone de does, or the junior marketers, like you were saying, is they'll pick the templates up, just adapt a couple of the words, phrases here and there, dump their product or vertical in, and then set the 12 sequences of emails to go. And what happens is, exactly like you said, no one is any different. Everyone's doing exactly the same thing. But I had a, um, one of our clients uh, asked me about lead nurturing who did um, life insurance. And they said, you know, it's a heavily saturated market. Um, it's a non-emotional product. No one cares about like, you know, who they go with. They just want the cheapest price, whatever. Um, and they said like, what could we do? I was like, well, why don't you ring up like six of your customers, just ask them like, why did they buy it? What like necessitated them buying it? Why did they choose you? Get all the answers down and then go and research all your content, pick out all the best stuff that's actually like adding value to people. Even if you had it behind like a gateway before, take it out of it and then research on the internet and get all that information to do with your vertical that's like adds value and start organizing it all together. Um, and they still couldn't sort of see like, you know, well, yeah, everyone knows this. And that's the point, they don't. It's like you were saying, they don't, you know, you're giving value to people. It's stuff that you might know that's like, deep within you that you can't get out but you've got to like find this stuff and give value to people that's the sort of key um and like you said they just a lot of companies really 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 struggle with it they just can't understand like the beginning process of it and things it's super specialized i mean we have a, a partner in a collective that's all she does she just does research positioning and messaging and she does very large projects with different i mean she also does small projects and group coaching and she teaches in-house marketers how to do this but this is exactly she has a rigorous process i mean it's literally all she does so i mean it's so specialized that she can do this and just do a fantastic job helping multiple businesses just with that area so i mean you can do it quite shallow light touch or you can go really deep and do it properly and effectively i think it really and the question is like where am i where should i be on that spectrum directly ties to marketing budget, the business maturity, the priorities in the marketing strategy. It's like a few different things that need to be um, thought out and talked through to understand where you should be on that spectrum. But I'm just describing it as a specialized area, understanding the pain, understanding customer research. It's not something people can do willy-nilly. No, and you can, right. it's just not, not likely to be effective. Just yeah. like, I'm just about how do you mitigate risk? So I'm like saying, you want to do willy-nilly, fine, that's high risk my job is to mitigate risk for my clients so for me i'm thinking how do you apply rigor process structure and depth for the right amount of resource to get the right result in the right time frame according to the objective but that's why people effectively engage me right so you got to think that through and and see it but definitely when you deep delve into it you see it is a very it's a black hole of time and energy i think like you said a lot 99 of this stuff is knowing the right questions to ask they like it's you know you can ask loads of questions not really get much insight from it but there's certain there might be key things that you can really derive a lot of value from especially with like qualitative stuff 
well, and quantitative, actually. If you don't know, understand the data you're looking at, what's the point? But that's the thing, like, because it's like graphic design, everyone has an opinion. But like, but you know, if you're a skilled graphic designer, you know what the standards are and you know if a design doesn't meet that standard. But just because someone has an opinion doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about. And asking questions is the same thing. Just because we can all ask questions, all human beings, we're like the first thing, my 12-month-old baby, when he starts speaking, I guess, he'll be, will be like, you know, why is the sky blue? Right? Like we, like, we just assume that because we, we're smart, we're knowledgeable, we can ask good questions. And no, asking questions is not the same as asking good questions. And producing a good logo it's not the same as just producing a logo because I can go to Photoshop and Scribble and I produce the logo. But is it any good? No. So it's really about standards and really to improve the quality of the standards or the questions is a specialized skill. And there is, you can learn that, but once again, you've got to apply yourself and you've got to prioritize that. Is that the most important skill to learn in order to have impact on the business? Yeah. But it is specialized. and I, I don't want to underestimate the significance of going through a proper process with the right questions and getting the right insight. And doing that objectively, because it's a subjective bias, which is um, a massive issue for marketers. It's like where probably a lot of the problems happen. And I'd say the majority of problems that I see is, um, I, I, you can categorize it as two things. One of them is assumptions, and the second is subjective bias. And those two are the biggest problems for why results don't materialize. And then once again, there's the two symptoms of lack of experience and lack of knowledge, right? So there's a foundational reason for why those that those two things happen. That's a, that's a really interesting point, actually. Um, the, the the bias. I think uh, about everyone listening can, at times, hear themselves like the guilty of that. Even like you know, even experienced people listen to that. I think, yeah, that's um, definitely guilty of that on occasion. Um, I want to end on a strong note, Aaron, and give something for people to listen to take away with. So, what I want to ask you. Um, Say this people listen to this and they're thinking, yeah, I know we need to up our game with the um, the nurturing. Um, they're aware of it, but are they going to start today? What are some actionable tips, or just, even just one or two, that you think are the most important they can take with them and think, right, this is how tomorrow I can start moving my uh, lean nurturing up a level? Yeah. The way I used to answer this question is I used to start going into the tactical components or like giving tangible tips but I realize that actually gives people a false positive it kind of gives them a start but it does actually help resolve the problem and now I kind of I guess we've learned this the hard way I just bring in specialists to help me now and you don't have to pay someone to do it you can pay someone to help you do it and teach you how to do it but my tangible tip would be don't try and do this yourself if it's unnecessary. Bring someone in who's an expert and that's either going through a specialized vendor who can make a recommendation for a consultant. But you don't need a lot of time, even if you spend two hours with someone who's very experienced in this area, to give you the structure and template that's personalized to you to go and execute on, you're much more likely to accomplish this rather than trying to pick it up together, trying to do bits and bobs from blog posts or reading white papers or listening to different bits of podcasts. It's just nowadays, if you want to do something properly, talking to the right expert can save you a lot of headache and time. And I reckon it's a worthwhile investment. If it's a big part of your funnel, it's a big part of where you're going to drive impact. You know, you have to have enough leads to worry about nurturing them. So obviously if you're not getting enough leads, 
secondary first you better prioritize getting leads right so you've got to really kind of focus and think about how significant and important is this but then go and find the right experts to to pick their brain and help structure that to move you along because these quick hacks and like quick tips it's like it's not it's not uh, it's not deep enough or meaningful enough and i guess as an expert there's anything i've learned and you know we do this across the business i've got like 16 different experts like from integromat to click up our project management software to like messaging copy i mean i've got different people that i go to who just know so much more around these deep vertical areas than i do and deep nurturing is a specialized area i don't think people should just hack at it because if they did then they'll be back to all the people we talked about about the symptoms of the mistakes at the beginning of the podcast right yeah so that's like i'm not going to perpetuate that my suggestion is break out of that loop by going and, and getting the insight that you need it's funny you mention it because obviously we're a software company but we say exactly the same thing with like marketing operations and set inside the software it's like look you could spend the next six hours trying to figure out how to do this or just pay us for one hour and we'll do it or we'll show you how to do it and you know it's just going to save you a hell of a lot of time and a lot of headaches um but as we all know it's human nature to want to try and save money <laughs> you know a lot of time they don't that's where headaches are caused i don't think it's just about saving money i think most marketers i meet they're, they're industrious and they're hard working and they're fast learning and they i get this a lot i get i have this one person i know really capable super smart and super specialized but every time we talk he just goes oh i just wish i, I studied google analytics in more depth and go it's not even related to the area of specialization in marketing that you double it he's like but if i just learned that one skill i'd become a better marketer and then i say you do realize there's like 450 different areas of marketing you can specialize in why is that one more and all the 320 others that you haven't specialized in is going to get you to where you need to be and it's effectively we've got this like this misconception that we can be great at everything. But, and effectively, it just comes from a lack of understanding of how fragmented marketing is and how specialized different areas are. And I think you've got to pace ourselves. We've got to really go deep in the area that delivers the most value to business and everything else you've got to outsource and delegate. And like, if you're not thinking in that way, you're not going to be able to scale. And I'm all about scaling and de delivering efficiency and effectiveness to why people hire me. So really, it's like, that's a, a, a ground truth you must accept. Like, yes, you can continue to learn and dabble, but if you want to be effective and you want to get results, then you've got to really learn to, to delegate and bring in specialization. And this is an area I think is one of those. Not everything is. Some areas I say no, you can go hack it yourself. This area, it's really niggling, like getting the right sequences and the right flows and the right segmentation and personalization and mapping it. it takes a huge amount of time and energy. You've got to know what you're doing. Mm. Definitely. Well, I think um, that was a really nice, nice way to sort of that call. I think. Um, I know people listen will find loads of value from that. Um, and I'm really pleased that we managed to get the call in eventually after a few fair attempts, a um, few fair internet things and whatnot. Um, yeah, I'm really pleased that you managed to join us and we've, we've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks, Oren. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead gen world.